As usual, Anna woke 20 minutes after she needed to be vertical and doing something, and waited another 10, enjoying the warmth of her bed. She checked the time on her phone, groaned. It was against all that was righteous to have somewhere to be on a Sunday. She rolled out from under her patchwork quilt. The way some people habitually grasp for their spectacles, her first act was to reach for a band to pull her hair into a giant, unruly ponytail bun. Useful experiments had taught her that if she cut it shorter, she ended up with a tightly curled, rounded mop, the shape of a dandelion clock, like a superannuated orphan Annie. Anna disliked getting up, and dearly loved her giant four-poster brass bed. She'd ignored what the tape measure told her, and now she didn't so much have a bed in her flat as a flat round her bed. And your bed only ever has one person in it, her sister had said with her usual tact. Her lecturing wages didn't buy a lot of space in Stoke Newington, to say the least. She had to make hard choices. She preferred bed to bath, and her rather pokey but charming galley kitchen, which opened out onto an appealing little garden, was in the end deemed more appealing than having a spare room. The estate agent had humorously called her bathroom off the bedroom en suite. Everyone else called it, Why have you got a shower head in the wardrobe? Oh fuck, it is the shower. Anna folded herself into it and out of it, into yesterday's clothes and zipped up her boots. The journey to her parents in Barking was the passage back to the past. It wasn't wholly pleasant, and she felt some relief when she got home again. She felt bad for her family that she felt that way, but it wasn't her fault that her child had held so many negative connotations either. Anna caught the overland, then the district line, grabbing a seat. She kept her takeout coffee from slopping out of the tracheotomy hole in the lid with practice steadiness, like someone holding the Olympic torch aloft. The train emerged from the underground above street level again. Ah, the sight of that mystical barrier between old and new. Anna and Aureliana. The North Circular. She was back in the scenery of her youth. Putting her hood up in the late autumnal mizzle, she hurried past the Vicarage Field Shopping Centre and down the familiar streets. They were lined with pebble-dash-scarred 1930s semis, satellite dishes on their roofs like jaunty fascinators. And she was home. For as long as her parents were alive, it would always be home. Cliché she knew, but the house always seemed slightly smaller than it was in memory. She rang the bell and stamped her feet. Her mum answered the door in her stripper body in tasseled pasties vinyl pinny that had ceased to be funny within 30 seconds of Aggie giving it to her one birthday many years ago. Aureliana, I said half twelve. Sorry, they're doing repairs on the tube, Anna lied smoothly. I didn't hear of any, Aggie said, ambling into the hallway with a cut glass goblet of Prosecco. All of their parents' glassware looked distinctly 70s, the kind of vessels that should hold blue nun. That's because Chris drove you? Anna said. Hi, Chris, she called. Hola, he bellowed from the sitting room. Or because you're a big liar, nose like a church spire, Aggie said. Me and Mum are going over the seating plans. Want to take a look? I'll get a drink first, Anna said, heading for the kitchen. The house smelt wonderful, of roast pork and rosemary. Anna's mum did most of the cooking, but Italian Sunday lunches were dad's business. They had the full works, antipasti, primo, secondi, salad, cheese, 
crapper. Chris always left saying his liver had been turned into pate. Hi, Dad, Anna said, finding him shredding lettuce for the salad course. La mia adorata figlia maggiore, he said, giving her a kiss on the cheek. Wine's on the side. Anna poured herself a hefty half-pint of Prosecco. How was your meeting? With the museum people? Anna's dad was incredibly proud of his daughter's job. Unlike their mother, he tried to grasp the detail. Oh, fine, yeah, Anna said, leaning against the fridge. She knew if it weren't for arsing James Fraser the arsehole, she'd be excitedly gabbling about it. She felt a dragging weight of resentment in her gut. It's coming together. We will love to see it. Down the hallway, she could hear her mother's delighted laugh.